Welcome to another week at Read Me Romance with a brand new book. And this week we have Lucy Eden with us. She's a two-time offender. She's been on the podcast before. <laughs> she was with us last year with, um, was it All Scott and Bothered? Was that the name of it? One Scott Deal. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. One Scott Deal. I think she may have had the other one and she changed the title. I can't remember now. It's been so long. But One Scott Deal was on the podcast before. You should go listen to it. It's amazing. And the book she's brought us this week is called Conquering the Goddess. And that name alone, 10 out of 10, just hit it out of the park. And so it, I guess it's all part of the series because she's got like Cherishing the Goddess that's on her Amazon. You can go check it out. It's in Kindle Unlimited. Um, and it's just, I, I love all of the goddess. Like that's such a great theme, you know, it's such a good word. Yeah. My, exactly. I, it's not used enough. Yeah. Not used enough. That's exactly <laughs> it. So we're going to talk about Lucy Eden and all her amazing stuff and just everything we can in just a little bit. We're going to catch up and just talk current events. So, <laughs> um, I want to tell you something I'm really mad about. Okay. Let's get into it. I love so, it. Coming in hot. I, um, I got a text the other day from the school and it was like, extreme PE starts, da, 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 And I laughed what? and I was like, and I was like, Peyton's not doing extreme P- uh, PE and I laughed about it. I was like, I guess, cause they said how many people were in on it. Yeah. And I showed it to Rob and he's like, Rob was like, no, I signed him up for it. And I was like, Peyton wants to do extreme PE. He's like, no, they're zip lining, paintballing. Oh, but no, no. Listen to this shit. I was oh, so no. mad when he told me yesterday. I'm sitting there. I was eating my dinner. Or I guess uh-huh. it's lunch for me. Um, and Rob's like, um, they have extreme PE tomorrow. I got to pick them up at 1030 at night. What? I, was like, I was like, oh, what are they doing? And he looked me night. in the eyes. And he said something that I've wanted to do. I brought up like two weeks ago that I wanted to do. He goes, oh, uh, Savannah and Bananas game is in town. Oh, they're going to Savannah Banana. <laughs> I looked at him. Game? Yes, I looked at him. I said, are you fucking with me? And he's like, no, they're going to the Bananas game. I was oh. like, what the fuck? Why didn't and you go? So I looked up tickets and there's like nothing left. It's no, like general admission. It. Mm-hmm. it was like, people said it sold out. I went on their website and all like their pre-sales are gone. I didn't realize. And they didn't pay like shit for extreme PE, so they must have given some out to the schools. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, that's really cool. Or maybe the coach knew somebody or something. Got him, slipped him in. I don't know, but yeah. But they said, and then like, we had to go, we have to bring them, we had to go get them visa cards, like gift cards to oh, take with yeah. them. They're not allowed to take um, cash with them. I felt, I'm in line at CVS and I look in front of me and somebody's got a visa card. Look mm-hmm. behind me and another person's got a visa card. And I'm like, oh, we all getting our cards? And they were like, yeah. And <laughs> then they looked at me and then I was like, everybody else's card was like $25. And I got a higher one. But I only got a <laughs> higher one because Peyton goes, my girlfriend's coming. What if I want to buy her stuff? Oh, he has a girlfriend? Yeah, kind of. Well, oh, actually, goodness. I'm taking her home tomorrow. Yeah, okay. it's his girlfriend. It's, I've known her as his girlfriend for like the past forever. Yeah. And, um, but like a girl that's his friend. 
No. Like Oh, like a say, girlfriend. Oh, okay, they okay. Say, like he's not like he has a one girlfriend that he's been friends with forever. They're friends, oh, okay. this is like I thought that's girlfriend. who this was. No, oh, this is a girlfriend okay. girlfriend. Um that he's been talking with for a while. Okay. And I said I would take her home tomorrow. Mm-hmm. After the game, mm-hmm. and the dad wanted to talk to me, and he calls, and he was like, "Yeah, I know that um, her and Peyton are best friends." I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's what we're saying at your uh-huh. house, okay? That's what we call it there. All right. <laughs> so on your end, that's what we say. Okay, got it, got it. At least he lets you know. Really, I know. he didn't fuck like, up. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, her and her and Peyton are best friends," which I'm sure you know. They're always talking. Mm-hmm. I was like. Yeah. Which I mean, it could probably seem normal normal because his other friend yeah. he talks to all the time too, or mm-hmm. that plays Minecraft with him. So and they're not like that. They're just best oh. friends. Like I don't I don't know why, but like I'm really emotional about him like having a girlfriend. Like I just feel like isn't he still eight? They just say <laughs> He's about to be 14, but they just sit. They've never gone anywhere together. I know. That's sweet. He's such a sweet kid. I hope she's a nice girl. So. He's such a good guy. Oh, my gosh. So, they're going to the Savannah Bananas game, and you're jelly. I'm so mad. I was like, shut the. I literally, I just said it to her. I was like, I went to that Yankees game. I was like, guys, I really want to go to one of the banana games. Mm -hmm. I love them. Yeah, "Yeah, we should. And then. Peyton's going. <laughs> tell him, don't take that girlfriend. Take me. <laughs> so you should tell him. Who do you love more? I'm going to sneak on the school bus. <laughs> yeah, right? You like? You should ask them if they need chaperones. That's what you should do. Seriously. It's already like, going seriously. tomorrow. So what? Be like, if a chaperone gets sick, sub me in. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Call me in, coach. I'm, I'm not calling play. that principal for no favors. <laughs> That principal owes you a favor after that <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I love oh it. God. Um, I know I have talked about this for the past two weeks, but I finally finished um, What the Hex, I mm-hmm. think it was by Jessica Clare. And I just want to state for the record, this book was fucking nasty. Like, I don't know what kind of like what kind of voodoo witch shit she did on me when I was reading this book because you know how like something's got to be fucked up for me to really get turned on when Mm -hmm. I read it and this wasn't necessarily it's what the heck what the heck was the name of it but um it was just there was this scene where they're like in a car and they're fucking and they're just like it's hot and it's fast and I was just like holy shit like as I'm listening to it it is so good and there's like the dirty talk is good in it. Such good dirty talk. Mm-hmm. So, man, like I cannot recommend this book enough. If you want something that's like, because it's a fake dating trope and he is an asshole and she is like the bubbliest, sweetest, like fluffiest heroine. Like she's short and chubby and cute. She wears all these bright colors and he just has a permanent scowl on his face. And it's something about her that he's so angry he loves her, you know, and he just can't keep his hands to himself and he's mad about it. And God is so good. And they're fake dating the whole time. So it's it's so good. I love it. Oh, and there's like breeding in it too. There's like some breeding kink. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. It was awesome. 
So I just wanted to mention that I did finish it. I like made myself do it in small chunks so that I could drag it out. And then the last day I just binged like the last four hours of it where I was like, yeah. this is all I'm doing. <laughs> and it was awesome. Uh, oh, I want to, speaking of getting turned on, I wanted to know oh, um, your yes. thoughts. Okay. So, uh, Melissa has a product she has reviewed for the book box. So coming to a book box near you, lady listener, this spring. Okay. So I know last year the vibrator, like you put it in you too. And no, it, it was, it was the Tracy's dog vibrator yeah. last year. It's the one where it does like a suction and it has like a hook that kind of thing that goes inside you that vibrates and uh-huh. supposed to stimulate your G spot. But um, I'm not big about sticking things inside of me generally. I can agree with that. Yeah. So I never when I masturbate. But, um, and I did try the suction on the last one. It was good. But this one, the rose thing, mm-hmm. it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It like has this <laughs> hard suction. I have to do it. I had to do it on the lowest setting. And I still Jesus, was like, really? I was like, holy shit. And like way too fast still i was like oh my god see that's the thing is like usually when i try a vibrator out i automatically go to the high setting like on a normal like vibrator thing it's like okay crank it all the way up and let's try it out this thing is soft and it Mm -hmm. like sucks your clit into it and then it doesn't just do it'll do like a few hard sucks and then it'll pulse it and hard it's it like that I couldn't believe it when it did it. I was like, this is like actual, like it was suck. You could start to pull it up. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt either. Yeah. You can start to it just pull like it and it's still, it still it has a hold tug. of you. Oh, it's, it's got like a suit, like a, yeah, so like you a have seal, to, like a yes, suction seal. Okay. suction sealed on you. Okay. And then it like does its thing in there mm-hmm. and it's like soft and it just. And it vibrates too, right? Yes. Yes. It I have vibrates not tried this yet. I've got one, but I keep forgetting I to like never, get an urgent experienced a toy like this like I was completely shocked like I text somebody right after and I was like not only that it's because it's a rose mm-hmm. it's in your hand yeah it's small mm-hmm. I was like I haven't tried this yet but I'm going to the next time I have sex I was like this is perfect for like doggy style oh and good point it's yeah, yeah, so yeah, easy because yeah. you can hold it in the palm mm-hmm. even you know how men reach around and play. yeah yeah they uh-huh. could literally have that in the palm of their hand like nothing it would be now you're than, talking it'd be easier than their fingers that would be less concentration all they'd have to do is like just boom. stick it on there <laughs> just let it just let it get its grip and it kind of reminds <laughs> me you know when they made those butterfly things oh yeah that you put around your thighs and they, they put, sucked and they fell oh, down and you could never those. get it in the right position mm-hmm. it was never in the right spot never it, my thighs were too big (laughs) in fact i actually wonder if i stood up if it would stay suction now you got to try and report back to us so when we were talking about doing the book box this spring we knew we wanted to put another vibrator and it was such a big hit last year when we did it and i mean we used them so why not celebrate that and include them in there so we both have heard people talk nonstop about the rose. Like you got to get the rose. You got to get the rose. I but understand they're like now. Forty, they're like forty dollars. To me, that's a lot. When you can get one on Amazon, you can get a regular vibrator on Amazon for like three dollars. Because I thought I thought the same thing. I was like, I have my basic vibrator. Yeah, I'm work. like, it can't be that good. You're telling, yeah. So you're saying it's that good. Yes, it is worth every penny of $40. Okay, good, because we ordered 250 of them. (laughs) 
it is worth every single penny of $40. Okay, <laughs> good. So if you want to get the book box um, this spring when it comes out, there'll be one inside and it'll be hugely discounted because it's in with the books and everything else. So um, if you want to get one, this is definitely the way to do it. And it's, it's hot be ass pink. <laughs> yeah, and it's hot, it's hot pink. It's <laughs> hot, hot pink. Hot, hot pink. I'm so excited to try this now, though. No, it's really good. I, I kept like, thinking it can't be that good. It I'm like, good. it can't be better than I'm the Tracy's I'm not even joking. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I forgot it was, it was on my desk, and I was up mm -hmm. early, and I was like, I just shut my office door. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this, because I was mm -hmm. messing around. Yeah. And I was like, holy motherfucking shit, that was fast. <laughs> Did, but you know what, though? The first time I tried the Tracy's dog one, the one we had last year, the first time I tried it, it scared me because it happened so fast. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I don't even really use it the way it's supposed to be used because I don't like putting stuff inside me, really. Like, same thing. I was like, I don't, it's a lot because of work. I, feel like I don't want to get messy. Get worked up. Like, to get yeah. something inside of you. Yes, and all that. exactly. And I'm like, I don't want to like, I don't want to do any extra this steps. Is like, this one is like soft though. Mm -hmm. Like I thought like the other one was a little harder. Yeah. This yeah. is like soft. Not as like flexible. Yeah. This is like mm -hmm. squishy almost a little bit, which it has to because I guess it's, it's suctioning. That would be painful yeah. to go against something hard. It almost felt like one of those like pocket pussy things. A little bit when I squeezed one. Uh -huh. Like the one I got out and I was like, all right, I'll open it up and I guess I'll keep this one because nobody wants the one I've been fingering. <laughs> and so like I turned it on and I could feel the suction on my finger. Like mm -hmm. when I did it, I was like, oh, that's strong. Uh huh. And I was like, but uh, it's fine. It's probably, you know, it's probably just okay. But I'm glad to know it's awesome. That's Fair good to know. Enough. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll have more up on that soon. Um, make sure you check your newsletter or if you're in the Patreon, you'll hear about it first. So, yep. You can join the Patreon too. We have, I think the first six seasons are up on the Patreon. Um, the audiobooks, there's no talking. It's just audiobooks. Um, there's free eBooks loaded all the time on there too, if you want some. And there's all kinds of fun stuff. So yeah, um, there's like almost all of season six. There's like, two left i think coming from season six and that yeah so they'll be loaded i think you said every thursday a new every audiobook thursday. drops i figured since we used to do podcasts on tuesdays and thursdays yeah that i would drop patreons on thursdays okay great since the episodes are all in one now on mm -hmm. tuesdays so that's awesome um so yeah if you join the patreon um for your subscription a hundred percent of your subscription goes back into the podcast and creating more audiobooks along with the book box as well 100 percent of what we make on the book box goes back into making more audiobooks so anything you do to help support the podcast we really appreciate it because it just goes into furthering more awesome audiobooks from really great authors that we love um this is not really a segue, but I wanted to tell you what happened to me this weekend. Um, I almost fell off my roof. <laughs> what are you doing like, on your roof? So when we were gone, I think, I don't know if I talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, we had the leak in the roof. You had a leak, yeah. Yeah, like right over our bed. It was on my side of the bed. <laughs> so like, you know, I kept thinking like, okay, maybe it was just a bad storm that like blew it in like some crazy way. But then we had another rain and it was like just as bad. So I got, I was like that next or Saturday. Your house is so new. 
I know, but the roof is almost a hundred years old. Okay, because I know you put a roof mm -hmm. over the new, so it's not. No, it's the it's the new part. Actually, oh. it's not the old part. Yeah. So most of the roof is tile. It's like, you know, the terracotta tiles, like you see the old one or the, um, the ones that are like Spanish style where they're mm -hmm. like curved and stuff. Yeah. These are flat. It's mm -hmm. like, it looks like slate kind of like slate okay. tile. And so that's the whole roof, except what's over our bedroom and it's metal, okay. which is weird because that's the part that shouldn't leak. But it was the new parts and we don't, we cannot figure out where it's coming from anyway. So on Saturday morning, we got up and I told my husband, he had already gone up there the weekend that we came home that next day after we got back, he went up there and he was like, I don't see a leak. And I'm like, I don't trust you. So <laughs> I was like, I have to look at it. And so he got the ladder out and it's like on the, it's the second story, but we have a deck. So we put the ladder on the deck and I was going to go up the way he went up and it's really steep because we have like really high pitches on our roof. And he just kind of shimmied up the tile and got on top of it. And I was like, well, I'll just do that. And he's like, I think this is dangerous. And I was like, I think you can shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And again, I was just like, I won't believe it until I look at it. I was like, obviously you're missing something huge because the water's coming in. It's got to be obvious and you're not seeing it. So I ignore all his protests. And I go up on the roof. And as soon as I put like my, both my feet on it, like one starts to slip. And I was like, oh, this is bad. And I was like, I'll just get on my hands and knees. And I go and I get on my hands and knees. And then I try to like crawl up a little bit. And then I start to slide. Oh my God. And I literally, I have tears in my fingernails from like trying to grip the tile so that I would stop falling. I oh was my freaking the fuck out. I tried to like grab a hold of the side. This all happened so fast. And I was like, Kevin, I'm falling. I'm falling. I'm falling. And he was like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, it's not okay. <laughs> like, what did he think so, he was going to catch you? Oh, he was standing behind he was me. In he was okay. like on the ladder, like okay. he was holding the ladder against the roof. Uh -huh. And he was like, he told me later, he was like, I just kept thinking, well, you're just going to hit the ladder and then you'll stop. And he was like, and that's not what happened. So like I kept sliding. I like tore my leggings, the knees out of my leggings. I skinned up one knee so bad. I like got skin, skinned up like my hands and my oh arms, my like God. all down this way. And thank God we have gutters. That's what caught me. My feet hit the gutters and like that stopped. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he was like, put your feet on the ladder. And like he, the ladder was like kind of like against my butt. And I was like, okay. And I like managed to get down. And then I just started crying because I was like so upset. And I was like, I don't know. I just had to look at it. And he was like, you won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, this big dramatic moment. And then we had to leave to go to a party because we were like, like go to a birthday party. So we're in the car on the way back. And he's like, he's like, are you okay? Like, you know, and I was like, I'm fine. I was like, I'm getting on that roof. And he was like, what is wrong with you? He's like, why won't you believe me? He's like, you just won't believe me. And I said, I won't feel good about it. I said, I'm not going to call a roofer until I look at it. I'm not going to call a roofer. I said, because if I get up there and I look at it and it's an obvious like hole or something, I said, then I'm going to be like, we can fix this. This is no problem. Can we just send a drone up? Oh, I don't know. That would have been a smart idea, but we didn't think about it. <laughs> so anyway, so we moved the ladder and I got up and I actually went up to a higher part of the roof. Oh my God. But it was like, it was flat. 
So he got, we got the biggest ladder we have. It goes all the way to the top. So like, I didn't look down. I was terrified. I was shaking. I was like, this is so stupid, but I got to do it. So I did that. I climbed up there. I was really proud of myself that I did it. I couldn't see shit. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where the fuck it was. And so I had taken some caulk up there. And so like I caulked around stuff and I was like, well, we'll just see if this works. I'm going to try this. And if not, we'll call somebody. And so after I did that, I was really scared, but I managed to get on the ladder again and come back down. And I was really proud of myself that I did it. Like I kind of got teary eyed because I was still like adrenaline, but it was the fact that I did it. And I, even though I was scared, like I was really proud of myself that I did it, even though it was probably stupid. But it, the, it rained and it leaked again. So nothing I did matter. <laughs> so so we had to call somebody to come look at it. But anyways, yeah. it was like. You might have to do a water test or something. I know. I was like, I don't know what the fuck it is. Like, it, it must be. It come, it, it's weird how our roof is. Like, our pitches are really steep, like, all the way around on all the sides. And then the top of it's flat. It's called, like, a mansard roof. And mm -hmm. so it's flat and then it goes, like, straight down. And so I think it might be like the flat part is like getting water somewhere, but we just can't see it. And it's somehow getting under the metal roof. I don't know. But anyways, this is just your sign to listen to your husband every now and then. Okay. <laughs> every now and then he might. I wouldn't have gone up there. Mm -hmm. But I live next door to my dad. I'm like, dad, he would have been the one on the roof. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, and you know, that's the thing is like. I could hear my dad's voice like, oh, you don't got to call somebody for that. Like, yeah, you fix that yourself. You know, like, you know, if he was a younger man, he'd be climbing his ass on the roof and looking for it himself, you know. And Kevin did. I mean, he as soon as we got back, he climbed with him the next morning. He was like, doo -doo -doo, and just got up on there and was like, I don't see anything. And I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to my roof. I remember... um so me and my dad have the same insurance. Like I've been with the same insurance company forever. I came home, God, I think it was like three or four years ago, and my roof's being ripped off. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I called it John Flacky. Hail damage on our roofs. Told him to come <laughs> fix it. Oh my God. <laughs> he had both of our houses re-roofed. But I guess he didn't tell me because it was insurance paying for it. So it's yeah, like, it didn't matter. Yeah. So we had, um, so we had to do some repairs. There were uh, several leaks when we first moved in and because it's a tile roof, we had to get a specialist, mm -hmm. like somebody that specializes in that. We had to get them out of Charlotte to come out here and it was so expensive. Mel, I'm not shitting you. I know those I, things are expensive. Like, I want to say it was like $30,000 no, for them to come like do a couple of repairs. Jesus. I could have gotten a whole new roof for that. No, I know me and my dad have talked about some of them. We'll see some of them. We don't have them here, like the clay roofs, but yeah, some, people yeah. do. some uh -huh. houses have them. And I remember one time my dad pointed at a house and that had one. He goes, that roof is worth more than that house. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh, when the people next door, um, a couple of years ago, they had their, they had a tile roof. They had the tiles taken off because they didn't want it anymore. They wanted a regular one. We kept those tiles because mm. we were like, you can't find that shit anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've no. got like That's 300 because we were like, if we, if something happens to our roof and we need a repair, like we need extras, you know, like, so we, yeah. we've got like 300 of them in the basement and, you know, we'll probably never need them. I mean, like I said, this roof's a hundred years old. But I mean, the, the people, everybody that's inspected it, it's like that roof will outlast your children's children. 
And it's like, oh, wow. I can't even imagine. Nobody has those around here. Like every now and then I'll see a rare one, but I'm just like, we get like 70 miles an hour winds. I just picture these tiles flying off. <laughs> I know. That's what I wonder too. Like with winds, <laughs> but each tile is so fucking heavy. Yeah. I'm like, it'd be like you trying to blow a rock around, you know? Like, I feel like I get a tree ripped out a year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But anyway, so that was on there. So I just wanted to mention that um, almost died. So you know, I got, heights don't bother me, but I don't think I could see. I know I'm I'm not scared of heights, but mm-hmm. I know I'm clumsy. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't 100%, climb. A, yeah. I'd be like, I'm not climbing that ladder. I'm gonna trip mm-hmm. over my own foot. That's that was what I was so afraid of that I was gonna like put my foot wrong and I was just gonna fall off of it, mm-hmm. or I was gonna like turn around too fast on the roof and just spin off the edge. I've fallen like, up the stairs before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same. So that's what it wasn't necessarily the height, but I didn't look down because I didn't want it to like make me dizzy or be spook me or whatever. So I didn't let down, but it was really the, I need to be careful. I need to watch where I'm stepping. I need to like not do any quick movements. You know, like I was constantly telling myself that was the fear is that I was going to be an idiot and like Mm -hmm. slide off the roof, you know? So as one does, apparently. And I saw a preview the other day and I wrote this down too. And I remembered, um, the, the hunger games it's coming out. The new one's coming out in November. I think it's like Thanksgiving when Thanksgiving weekend. So there, you know, there's a trilogy that they made into four movies. So last year they were, I think it was last year or maybe it was 2020. I can't remember. Yeah, it was 2020 because twilight came out, the midnight sun came out and then, the Hunger Games book came out and they were like, what year is this? <laughs> These books are number one on the charts. It's called A Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. And it's actually a prequel. It's about President Snow. It's about how he came into power and why he's a terrible person. So the book is awesome. I've listened to the audiobook. The narrator is amazing. I think it's like one of the actors that's in it that does that maybe or I looked it up. He's like a famous actor that does the narration because I was like, I recognize his voice. But so good. I really enjoyed it. But sometimes um, it's interesting to watch which I which we do in our um crime shows, watch the evolution of somebody turn into a terrible person. Yes. To see yeah. it for yourself. It's fascinating, right? Yeah, to see it. And you have a little bit of compassion in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Oh, the, let me tell you, I you know, I was telling a friend of mine when I listened to that book. And then I went and watched the Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. It was, I looked at him totally different, totally different. He was a completely different person to me. And so I thought that was the power of a great storyteller of, you know, the the author that did it. I can't, I can't recall her name. I was on my head. I want to say Alice Sebold, but that's not it. I don't know. I'll look it up. But anyways, it was just wild to me that, you know, I saw the preview for it and it's coming out and like Viola Davis is in it. Like there's like heavy hitters that are in this book or in this movie that's coming out. And I'm really excited this year after um, my daughter gets out of school for the summer, whatever, in June, we're going to go. I think we're going to go to Universal and I want to drive with her. And so it's like an eight hour drive, which is not that bad. You know, no. And, and that's like door to door. So it's not that bad, but I thought, you know, 
it would be kind of an adventure for us, you know, to do it together, just the two of us. And I told her, I was like, we should listen to that audiobook together because she loved the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that would be cool to do that one together. So it reminded me of it when I saw the previews and I was like, oh, okay, I need to like remember to do that. But um, hold on. The, oh, Suzanne Collins, that's who it's by, The Ballad of the Songbirds and Snakes. And if you, by some chance, have never read The Hunger Games or listened to the audiobooks, you can start with that one, and it'll give you a great backstory. So, and if you haven't, you can jump in at any time. I don't know how my kids never did The Hunger Games, the, what was the other, Twilight, yeah. Harry Potter. Oh, I'm surprised they never got into Harry Potter. Maybe just too young. I No. I remember being around and him being, I mean, he was into Pokemon. He, there's thousands of Pokemon. You can name them all yeah. and mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy shit. I don't know this kid learns everything. <laughs> Today we were in the car and he's like, is the Bahamas a part of the UK? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, yeah, I think. And then he like looked it up. He was like, oh no, this one is, this is UK. It's technically because the sun never sets in the UK. technically is what he told me and and he's like that it happened in like 1970 and he like listed the year and stuff i'm like i he was like no it's one of the ones down in the caribbean i was like you're thinking of turks and caicos no i'm not (laughs) i'm like yes you are (laughs) where is he talking about do you know it was like it was at the either the Bahamas or Jamaica is owned by the UK now. No, no, I, I can't. I don't know. It's their like domain. Are you talking about the Virgin Islands? No, I don't think he said the Virgin Isles. I don't know. I don't know. Because he asked me if we'd been there. That's what he'd asked. Uh, He's like, hey, have we been here? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's the UK. And I was like, oh, no, it's all right. Okay. We'll take his word for it, I guess. <laughs> he always corrects my geography. Mm-hmm. Well, I married a geographer, so I didn't have to learn that shit. Right? And apparently, yeah. now he's a roofer. So, <laughs> all right. Listen, let's talk about Lucy Eden and conquering the goddess. We're thirty minutes in on this, and we oh, haven't yeah. we haven't done anything productive <laughs> except catch up. Oh, um, before I forget, we yes, have a brand new. It is the Bahamas. <laughs> you just threw your phone. That, that's hilarious. The Bahamas. He was right. You were wrong. Mm-hmm. We got it. Um, before I forget, though, we have a brand new book out. Alexa Riley released a book today called Stealing the Bride. It's um, a trilogy. There's three brothers. This is the first one. It's really fun. He sees her trying on a wedding dress and is like, well, that one's mine. And so then he takes her and he kidnaps her. So but She doesn't even know she's kidnapped. No, she doesn't even know. <laughs> That's the beauty in it. They don't even realize what's happening. They're just falling in love. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. So be on the lookout for that if you haven't. And then um the other ones they're coming in the series. So uh just wanted to mention that real quick. Like I said, Lucy Eden, we've got a brand new book from her, Conquering the Goddess. I read you her author bio. Lucy Eden is the non diplume of a romance obsessed author who writes the kind of romances she loves to read. She's a sucker for alphas with a soft, gooey center, over-the-top romantic gestures, strong and smart MCs, humor, love at first sight, or pretty damn close, happily ever after, and of course, dirty and steamy love scenes. When Lucy isn't writing, she's busy reading or listening to every book she can get her hands on, romance or otherwise. 
She lives and loves in New York with her husband, two children, a turtle, and a Yorkshire Terrier. That's cutest. <laughs> Conquering the Goddess is a bonkers standalone short. That's what she's called it. Bonkers. It. Bonkers. <laughs> she's also launched a website for her newsletter with a store called Love Notes from Paradise. Lovenotesfromparadise.com. You need to go check it out. It is so freaking cute. And she has given lady listeners um, a 15% off code that we can list in the show notes. So there's a code for 15% off your order. And we'll put that down there. Um, her giveaway this week is a swag box. She sent us a bunch of stuff last year for a winner. And she sent so much stuff that we're like, let's split this. Because it was just <laughs> boxes and boxes. So we split it and then I was like, okay, we'll do one and when she comes back on. So we have a swag box for that. And then um, she published a romance theme activity book, which I love. So I click this, the link will be in the show notes. If you go on there, it's like, you know how when you go to like a party or like a shower or something like that, and they'll be like play party games mm -hmm. and stuff. So this is like what that is, except like you can play this with your friends anytime. It's got a word search. It's got a crossword puzzle. Oh, gosh. It's like co complete the sentence thing where it's like, oh, a noun, an adverb. Oh, my God. What are those called? Mad Libs. It's like a Mad Lib. And then it's got this thing and it's like she gives a sample of it. It's called a matching game. And one of the ones on the sample is it says Ruby Dixon. And it says match the title of the book to the couple where you actually have to go in and there's a list of couples in a list of books and you have to figure out which one goes where. That's and I was like, cool. this is, I love it. Like how much fun would this be to play with a bunch of friends? Like, yeah. I think this would be so fun to play together. So it's on her, it's on her website, like love notes from paradise. You can go on there and check it out. It's super cute. Like it's 20 bucks to do it. And it's the whole kit. It comes with like the, all the stuff you need to do it. And I think like even like colored pencils and stuff, like, all of her packaging is That'd so That's a good cute. gift, too, if you want to send somebody. Too. Oh, my God. Like, if your friend is sick or something or not feeling good, you yes. can send that. I know, mm -hmm. especially at the crossword puzzle and stuff. And it's all, like, romance authors we know. It's, like, India romance authors. And it's just such a cute idea. Mm -hmm. And it's all on this website. You can go in there and do every, you know, do it all on there. And then, um, you know, like, I just love Lucy Eden. Make sure you check her out on Kindle Unlimited. Um, and like I said, go listen to One Scott Deal on the podcast. But she's got so many great books, so many. And they're just, she writes the best. She writes really sweet, sexy, fun books that are just, they like make you feel good. So mm -hmm. I, I loved her last audiobook with us. I'm really looking forward to this week. So that's all I got to say. I love Let's it. Send them in. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. This is Conquering the Goddess by Lucy Eden. Read for you by Allie Piper. Chapter One Athena. My very first assignment, my first real job out of grad school that I'd worked my ass off to get, and I was running late. Athena Anderson, a stern-looking woman in her late 50s, with dark brown eyes and shoulder-length brunette bob, called to me. Her smooth, dark brown skin contrasted with the crisp white blouse and pencil skirt she wore as she leaned against the reception desk, surveying me. She must have been waiting there for me for some time. Mr. Winters is expecting you. You're late, 
I glanced at my watch. It read 10.04 a.m. I know, I'm sorry, I just... The rest of the sentence got lost as I stopped myself. My father was an army lieutenant general who never had an ounce of tolerance for lateness. There were no excuses. You were either on time or you weren't. Today, I wasn't. I just hoped I hadn't ruined my interview before it began. One would think that with graduating at the top of my class in undergrad and earning a master's degree by the age of 23, I'd have my pick of job offers. Unfortunately, there were only three. Content editor for a mommy blog, beat reporter for a celebrity gossip rag, and the one I chose, junior features writer for Capital Exchange Magazine. The magazine was decades old and looked to revamp its image and stay relevant by hiring young. Bonus if you're a woman journalist. I was obviously a token hire, where much wasn't expected of me, but I was determined to work hard and prove them wrong. Choosing capital exchange wasn't about the money. Frankly, the mommy blog offered me more, a lot more. But if I wanted to be taken seriously, home facials and the top 10 strollers for twins wasn't the place to start my career. The woman led me down a long corridor of glass-walled offices full of people in business attire at desks, clicking away at computers or pacing back and forth, screaming into earpieces. At the end of the hall was a pair of large, intricately carved wooden doors. She pushed them open to reveal a massive office with floor-to-ceiling windows along the far wall. At 45 stories tall, the Strathmore was one of the tallest buildings in the city. The view from the 42nd floor felt like standing in a cloud. Grant Winters stood framed in the celestial view of his office window, tall and posing, and looking like one of the gods from the mists my father used to tell me at bedtime. Leaning forward over an enormous black mahogany desk, he was supporting the weight of his massive upper body on his knuckles. The disembodied buzzing of a man's voice coming through the telephone was where he focused his attention. He glanced at us with a mild look of annoyance before motioning us inside with two fingers. He'll see you now, the woman said, almost pleasantly as she guided me into the office. I felt fear and excitement, taking a deep breath to calm my nerves before stepping forward. Good luck, she called in a sing-song voice before closing the doors behind her. I walked closer to Grant Winter's desk, feeling his eyes on me. I felt like I had to say something. I drew in a deep breath. Hello, Mr. Winters, I'm Athena Anderson from the... He angrily put a finger to his lips to shush me, pointed at the phone, and motioned for me to sit down in one of the huge leather chairs adjacent to his desk. I felt a flush of anger and embarrassment at being silenced like a child put in a timeout. I steeled myself to remain calm and professional. But as I turned to move toward the chair I'd been sent to, I stumbled over the strap of my messenger bag. I managed to keep my footing, making up to the chair quickly before sitting down. My face burned red enough to match my hair color. I chanced to glance at Mr. Winters to see if he'd noticed my stumble. While he was still focused on the incessant buzzing of the speakerphone on his desk, I noticed that he had the ghost of a smile haunting his face. He'd seen it, and he thoroughly enjoyed the show. After a few minutes, he sat down and turned his face to me and waved his hand in a gesture of impatience. As I said, my name is Athena Ander. My words were quickly cut off by Grant Winter's booming voice. Fuck that, Tim. He pounded the desk with his fists. The deadline was Tuesday. 
Tell the Tokyo office to get their shit together or I'm on the fucking plane there to do it for them. He shouted into the phone before glancing at me again and repeating his rude gesture. When he was met with silence, he turned his full attention to me for the first time since I'd entered his office. Don't you have some questions to ask me? He whispered through clenched teeth. You're busy. I'll wait until I have your full attention. I said coolly and crossed my arms, hoping to mask my thinly veiled rage. He blinked a couple of times, cocked his head to the side, and looked at me as though he'd just seen me for the first time. This call is extremely important. He said through a slow, drawn-out growl and clenched teeth that both excited me and further fueled my ire. This interview is extremely important to me. When you finish your call, we'll do the interview. There was a definite defiant tone in my voice, but I didn't care. Did he think he had the only important job? Did the world revolve around Grant Winters? He obviously assumed it did. If I had his full attention before, now Mr. Winters was positively studying me, like I was some strange mythical creature and he wasn't sure what to make of me. He steepled his fingers, touched them to his lips, and closed his eyes for a second, seeming to be in deep thought. Tim, I'm gonna call you back. I could hear the disembodied buzzing of Tim's voice expressing his displeasure at being dismissed before abruptly being cut off with the touch of a button. Now, he continued, narrowing his eyes at me. You have my full attention, miss. What did you say your name was again? Athena. Athena Anderson. I stammered, trying to sound more confident than I felt. This man was arrogant, brash, rude, but he was also the sexiest man I'd ever seen. Athena, he laughed. Where did you get a name like that? She's the goddess of war. My father named me after her because he was Zeus. He laughed again. I felt the simmering anger start to boil. No, I seethed. He was a lieutenant general in the U.S. Army. This silenced him. Please thank him for his service on my behalf. This would have sounded almost sincere if he still wasn't smiling. I can't because he's dead. I knew I was utterly blowing this interview, but I couldn't stop myself. Is this the way you always treat interview subjects? Because if it is, you might want to consider a new line of work. He was laughing. Is this the way you treat people you feel are beneath you? Whom I suspect is everyone? because if it is, you might try being less of a condescending ass. His laughter died away for a moment, his eyes wide with shock before the laughter returned. It was a deep belly laugh, revealing a sparkling smile and twinkling blue-gray eyes. Screw you, I'm out of here. The interview's off. I leaped to my feet and spun on my heels, hoping desperately to make a smooth exit without tripping, crying, or doing anything else to further embarrass myself. Wait, Miss Anderson, I haven't dismissed you yet. Dismissed me? Was he kidding? I was almost to the door when I turned to answer him. He stood right in front of me. He advanced slowly, causing me to take a few steps back until I felt the door behind me. I was tall, but Grant Winters towered over me. His scent was so intoxicating, I could feel my entire body tingle with anticipation. As he leaned in close, propping himself against the door with his giant arms. I could have kissed him or killed him, 
Either option would have felt amazing. I, I stammered. I think you've been dismissive enough. Now, if you'll excuse me. However, I didn't move. I didn't want to, and we both knew it. I'm not used to being spoken to like that, Miss Anderson. He whispered in my ear with a deep, rumbling voice that made the center between my legs tingle. I might have to punish you. With your permission, of course. At that moment, there was nothing I wanted more than to experience firsthand what a punishment from Grant Winters would be like. But this had gone too far. I had already lost this job based on how well my first ever assignment had gone, and losing my virginity to someone I both desired and detested, not to mention barely knew would be compounding an already bad situation. His intense, smoldering gaze focused mine as though we were the only people that ever existed. I cleared my throat and tried again. I'm leaving. I tried to say something witty and biting, but that was all I could muster. He immediately stepped back, holding the door open as I scurried through it. I power walked down the hall to the reception area, feeling his eyes on me the whole way. Two hours ago, I had my life all planned out. Now, nothing made sense. Chapter Two Grant. I couldn't stop thinking about Athena Anderson all week. It was a bad time for an interview, as I was hammering out the details of a never-ending headache with one of my lawyers. It was always a bad time these days. However, my PR rep had set up the interview for a bullshit puff piece with Capital Exchange, that dried-up brag that people only kept in their coffee tables to make themselves seem intelligent. As my team and I have been working like fucking dogs on an international multi-billion dollar deal, other parties involved were concerned about my private persona, or lack thereof. I hated attention, so I didn't spend a lot of time in the public eye. I didn't party every night, fuck models on rotation, or snort piles of cocaine. I didn't feel the need to publicize my charitable donations, write get-rich-quick books, or judge a reality TV show. What I expected was that my professional accomplishments would reflect my competence as a business leader. But that's not how today's world worked. So after declining interviews for over a decade, I sold a piece of my soul to Capital Exchange Magazine for public visibility and discounted ad space for our commercial real estate sector. I had almost sent Athena Anderson away, but one glance at her told me that wasn't an option. The magazine had sent a cub reporter for the interview, but she was a goddess if I'd ever seen one. A tall, statuesque beauty with the palest skin I'd ever seen. She had worn tight black jeans and a matching t-shirt with a v-neck that displayed a hint of the curves of her small, perfect breasts. She wore dog tags around her neck. There was no mistaking the steel ball chain and twin rectangles of dog tags tucked under her tee. She had pulled her fiery red hair into a messy bun, complete with the pins sticking out of the top of it. Her glasses had done nothing to hide large emerald green eyes that glittered like jewels, or the smattering of freckles scattered across her cheek. To my surprise, I wanted to kiss every single one. She couldn't have been older than 25, but as I watched her perfect ass disappear down the corridor and the exit, her hidden veracity made me curious. No one dared talk to me the way she did, until now. Little Miss Goddess of War was tough as nails. 
I wanted to toss her over my knee and spank her until she begged for mercy. I wanted her on her knees in front of me so that I could see if she could use that pretty mouth of hers for something other than sassing me. Most people easily bent to my will, and I always got what I wanted. I wanted to know everything about her. I wanted her. Tim could handle the Tokyo office, after all. That's why I paid him so well. I told Gwen to clear my afternoon schedule as I set about researching my new acquisition with the same ruthless approach I took with any other corporation ripe for the plucking. I summoned one of my firm's investigators, requesting a full report. An hour later, a file appeared on my desk. Athena Anderson, 23 years old. BA in English from Harvard, summa cum laude. Master's degree in journalism from Columbia. Mother, Deborah Anderson, deceased, breast cancer. Father, Lieutenant General John Anderson, deceased, congestive heart failure. I studied the rest of the file for a few minutes before I made my decision. I pressed the button on my intercom. Gwen, get me the editor-in-chief of Capital Exchange. Five days had passed since I was close enough to my little goddess to inhale her intoxicating scent and witness firsthand that sexy pout she wore when she got angry. I didn't know when I would see her again, but Miss Anderson would be the first thing on my agenda once the gala was over. Gwen poked her head into the office. Sir, your car will arrive in 45 minutes. I'm headed to the venue now to go over some last minute details. Is there anything else I can do before I go? She asked. Something the little goddess said gave me pause before I slammed Athena's file shut again. You know what, Gwen? I rose from my chair, reaching for my tuxedo jacket. I think I'll ride with you to the ballroom. The surprise on her face was so out of place, it was almost comical. Sir? That is, if that's all right with you, I added with a smile. She cleared her throat and nodded. Once we were in the car, I turned to Gwen and asked, am I a good employer? Gwen's face snapped to mine. She was wearing an expression of combined shock and confusion. She had been my executive secretary for over a decade, but suddenly her eyes darted away. She seemed to be racking her brain for a diplomatic answer to my question. Well, she started, clearly buying time to school her response. I'm very pleased to be employed by Winter Corp. It's an exciting company and I- Come on, I cut her off. Cut the shit. Am I an asshole or not? Sir, I don't understand. I need you to be honest. It's been brought to my attention recently. I paused remembering the looks of both loathing and lust on Athena's face as she backed away from me. I refocused quickly, that I might have a tendency to be dismissive or condescending. Has that been your experience? She sighed deeply, but still didn't answer. Look, I've been giving it some thought. You've been my right hand and my most trusted employee for over a decade. You were with me when Winter Corp only occupied the first five floors of the Strathmore. And now I own the entire building. I know that I've rewarded you with a high salary, stock options, and benefits. But in 12 years, I don't ever remember once saying thank you. Mr. Winters, are you? Look, nothing was handed to me, I continued. When you bust your ass as hard as I did to gain as much success as I have in such a short time, 
it's easy to think that you did it all on your own. I just wanted to make sure you knew that I see what you do for me every day, and I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I could hear a crack on her voice. She cleared her throat, and Gwen's steely gaze returned. She is quite a remarkable young woman, isn't she? Who is? I was about to demand an explanation when we arrived at the Washington Ballroom. Dressed in a black beaded evening gown and running shoes, Gwen swiftly exited the car, only answering me with a small, knowing smile. I left things in Gwen's capable hands and made my way to my usual perch during the annual winter's ball, the upper balcony. Not being a fan of parties and crowds, where they were full of people trying to kiss my ass or sell me something. I sat back in the leather chair and opened the decanter, a 40-year-old scotch that they always left waiting for me, courtesy of my most trusted employee. While it was necessary for me to be part of the Winter's Ball, the flagship event of the Philippa Winter's Memorial Fund, the gala was always about her. My mother never gave a damn about money or fancy parties, but she loved helping people who needed it. If she were alive, she'd be right here with me, watching the show down below. I felt good about my speech in the car, but I felt bad for how long it took for me to make it. Had I strayed so far from my mother's example that I'd forgotten to be grateful for the people who helped me get to where I was? My mother had come from a wealthy family, but she had given it all up for my father and me. They met at a local bar while he was on leave from the army, and to hear my mother tell it, it was love at first sight. They married in Vegas that very weekend, resulting in her being disinherited. And I came along nine months later. They were married eight years until my father died in a combat mission. Then it was just the two of us. My mom was a fighter, smart as a whip and tough as hell. The widow's pension helped, but it wasn't enough to cover private schools and extracurriculars. She worked three jobs found every scholarship she could and called in every favor she had to get me into all the best schools. When I graduated, she emptied her savings account and mortgaged her house so I could start Winter Corp without an ounce of debt. The first thing I did once I became successful was retire her and give her access to anything she ever needed. All she asked in return was to see me happy and settled with a nice girl. I knew what inspired my confession to Gwen or... I should say, who? For an instant, I couldn't help but think that my guardian angel had sent me a little goddess to kick my ass. And just like that, my thoughts turned to Athena Anderson, as they had almost every moment of the day since I met her. Chapter Three Athena I was sure my tirade on Monday had cost me my very first job before it even started until my editor-in-chief called me into her office to tell me that Mr. Winters wanted to expand the article to an all-access feature and double his ad buys, on the condition that I be the one to write the piece. This time, I decided on a new approach, to take my time and research my subject before attempting to schedule another interview. At least, that was the excuse I gave myself. The idea of being in a room with that man again both terrified and titillated me. I couldn't shake the memory of being backed against the door, feeling his breath caressing my neck and his growl rumbling in my ears. I could barely maintain enough control to get myself out of there before it went too far. How could I hope to do it again? 
On Wednesday, my editor called me into her office again, this time telling me that I would be covering the annual Winter's Ball, the most coveted event of the social season. Tickets were only available on an invite-only basis, costing $10,000 apiece. In exchange, guests were also expected to spend thousands more dollars in sponsorships, charitable donations, and auctions. I can't go, I protested. Besides, Grant Winters doesn't even attend the ball. Since the first gala seven years ago, rumors have circled that the founder and benefactor of the Philippa Winters Memorial Fund never attended the event. Too bad, because you are going. There was a hint of jealousy in her voice, making me wonder if she had ever attended the ball herself. She could happily have my ticket. I don't have anything to wear. It seemed silly once I heard myself say it out loud, but I couldn't think of anything else. You'll wear this. She motioned to a large black garment bag, which I had assumed it was hers. That's it. I'm not saying another word about this. 48 hours later, I was sitting in a $5 rideshare, wearing a dress that probably cost more than my tuition last semester. There were no designer name, tags, or dress size stitched anywhere in the dress. But when I stepped into it and zipped it up, it was a perfect fit. Hugging and lifting in all the right places, but making undergarments impossible was a little too perfect. Mr. Winter's secretary met me at the entrance of the ballroom. Hello again, Miss Anderson. As usual, she was all business. I'm Gwen Rogers. We met on Monday. Yes, of course. I was trying to be polite while also trying not to think too hard about Monday's events. Very nice to see you again. That's a lovely dress. I can say the same about yours, Miss Anderson. She smiled, her features beaming with an expression of pride. It is a perfect fit. The shade of emerald matches your eyes exceptionally well. I was unsure how to respond, so I just smiled as she continued. You have an all-access pass to the event. You may go anywhere you wish. Please come find me if you need anything. She began to make her way back into the ballroom. Don't I need a VIP wristband or something? She stopped in her tracks, slowly turned around, looking at me as if I'd asked if there would be pigs in a blanket served at the buffet. No, dear. She smiled, turned on her heels, and disappeared into the crowd. I was a bundle of nerves, despite not looking like it. I was probably the poorest person in this room. I made my way to the bar, figuring a glass of champagne would help me relax. However, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I was about to order my drink when I was approached by a shorter, balding man with a leering smile. He had the look of someone who knew who I was, but I had never seen him before. Well, 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 he purred. You are lovely, aren't you? I exhaled deeply and tried to move sideways to create as much space as I could between myself and this jerk, but the bar was too crowded. So you're the reason I can't get Grant on the phone these days. You are the reason he's blowing this deal that I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears into for months. I could feel the heat rising in my face, and I started taking deep breaths to stay calm. He was talking about Grant Winters, and I suddenly recognized this man's voice. He was the disembodied buzzing coming through the phone on Monday, the one that got cut off for me. Was his name Tim or Tom? I haven't seen Mr. Winters all week, despite my own sense of longing to see him.
How could I be causing him problems? I'm sure you're a hot piece of ass, but if you think... I'd heard enough. I needed to get away from this man fast. I turned quickly, making to walk away when Tim or Tom grabbed me by the arm, pulling me close to him. He hissed into my ear. If you think I'm gonna let some little bitch get in the way of the deal that will make my career, you're sadly fucking mistaken. I'm gonna... Let me go. I could feel stinging tears welling up in my eyes, desperate not to make a scene. Please. I'll let you go when I'm finished with you, and I'm just getting started, he hissed. He massaged my forearm, and I felt every inch of my flesh crawl with disgust. What are you, ex-military? Is that what these dog tags are for? He reached for my most prized possession, the one item I wore at all times, even with a designer evening gown. My fear turned to rage, and the next thing I remembered, Tim, or Tom, was on the floor, clutching his throat. I reflexively felt for my dad's tags, finding that they were still right where they belonged. Suddenly, I felt the gravity of the situation. I had punched a man at the winter's ball. Tim or Tom was still on the ground pointing at me. I expected to see two burly security guards ready to cart me off to jail when the crowd parted. But instead, it was Grant Winters. Chapter Four Grant. I couldn't stop thinking of my sexy, flame-haired reporter. The fact that I'd even let her out of my sight in the first place showed a restraint I didn't know I was capable of. But she wanted to leave, and taking things by force is something I did in the boardroom, not in the bedroom. Athena Anderson would be mine soon enough, and it would be her choice. In the end, I always get what I want. This time wouldn't be any different. I sat back in my chair, sipping my scotch, daydreaming about Athena and all things I wanted to do to her and with her as the gala began. I scanned the crowd, seeing the usual suspects, politicians, every type of celebrity, and media elite. Then I saw something that made my cock stand at attention. A shock of red hair, removed from its messy bun and falling halfway down her back in lush waves, bounced ever so slightly as Athena Anderson glided through the ballroom in a floor-length emerald green gown. Fuck me, she was sexy. The dress had a slit that ended halfway up her thigh, displaying one gorgeous leg. Gone were the glasses, and from my vantage point, I was pretty sure so were the combat boots. I could hardly believe it was the same woman until I saw the flash of silver around her neck. The dog tag. She had come to the gala alone. She was out of place in the sea of the city's elite. Athena was too good for this place and these people. As she slowly made her way across the ballroom to the bar, I could make out the figure of a man following the path she cut through the crowd. It was one of my lawyers, Tim Graves. Did they know each other? Why the fuck was he following my girl? When Tim approached her at the bar, the look on Athena's face said, no, she'd never laid eyes on that man in her life. She also didn't seem interested in whatever he was telling her. Finally, something he said made her eyes widen and her face flush a familiar shade of red. My fist tightened as I rose from my chair. My little goddess turned to walk away from the bar when Tim grabbed her by her upper arm, pulled her close to him, hissing something into her ear. 
I watched as a look flashed across her face that I swore I would never see on her again. Fear. I raced out of the balcony, knocking my chair aside, until I reached the ballroom and approached the bar. Ignoring the gawkers who cut a path for me, I pushed past the crowd as quickly as I could. Before I could reach my girl, I heard the unmistakable sound of flesh hitting flesh, followed by gasps and a few screams. I flew into a rage, pushing people out of the way in my haste to get to Tim and Athena. If he had hurt her, I was going to rip him in half in front of everyone in this room, and I didn't care. Once I got to the clearing near the bar, I was shocked to see Tim laying on the marble floor, holding his throat, sputtering and coughing as he pointed up at something. I looked over to see Athena. She was still wearing the look of shock and fear, only now mingled with pain and embarrassment. She was shaking her right hand and wincing with every flick of her wrist. The sight of her in pain made my heart pound out of my chest and spurred me to action. Are you all right? Athena was all that mattered in the moment. She was shaking like a leaf and sucking in deep gasps of air. She nodded, but her face told a different story. I scooped her into my arms, held her close, turning to leave. I would deal with Tim later. My former counsel would spend the rest of his life regretting ever getting on my bad side. So that's it? The words came from Tim's raspy voice from the ground amid coughs. You gonna choose that little bitch over your company? I whipped around to face him, ready to set Athena down so I could put my entire fist through his face, when I felt a warm, tiny hand on my cheek. No, please don't. Her emerald eyes sparkled with tears as she pleaded. All these people, you can't. Stay with me, please. I stood frozen, torn between my desire never to deny this woman any request she would ever make, and my primitive need to grab Tim by his greasy hair and pummel him into extinction for what he just said. Suddenly, Gwen appeared behind me. She was out of breath, clutching her tablet in her arms. Sir, I saw you running from the balcony. She was still panting as she clutched her chest. What's happened? Is that Tim Graves? Her eyes fell on my lawyer, prone on the floor, still clutching his throat. Sir- Her voice died away when she saw the precious cargo I was holding in my arms, the faintest hint of a smile on her lips. The sight of Gwen and Athena together made me realize in an instant that I didn't want to risk everything good in my life on a piece of shit like Tim Graves. I turned and walked toward the balcony with Gwen jogging to keep up. Gwen, prepare the office upstairs and send a doctor to look at Miss Anderson's hand, please, I added, causing her to smile at me as she whispered into her earpiece. And Mr. Graves, sir? She nodded at Tim, who, though still unable to stand, had managed to sit up and slide backwards several feet, as if that would have kept me from kicking his ass after what he said about Athena. Have security toss him into the street and tell him he's fired. It was better than he deserved at the moment, but for now, it would have to suffice. I had more pressing matters that needed my attention. Chapter five, Athena. Once we entered a large office, Grant sat me down on what looked like a replica of his mahogany desk at the Strathmore, and I wondered if he owned the ballroom too. Standing between my legs, he cupped my face in his massive hands and gently stroked my cheeks with his thumbs. 
He carefully raked his eyes over me, inspecting me for damage. Are you sure you're all right? His look of total concern made the full weight of tonight's events come crashing down on me like a heavy weight. I'm so sorry, Mr. Winters, I sobbed. I caused a scene. I didn't want to. I tried to get away from him. He was saying awful things and he grabbed my dad's tags and I just, I just. Now I was sobbing and rambling. You have nothing to be sorry for, Grant interrupted me. It's my fault for not stopping that asshole when I saw him following you. You saw him? And it's my fault for ever letting you out of my sight on Monday. You're all I've been able to think about. Tim was right. I was the reason he was distracted from his work. That guy Tim said I was distracting you from your big deal. He said I was ruining it and he threatened. I never meant to. He kissed the tears on my cheek away, stopping me mid-sentence. You'll never have to worry about Tim again. The deal is fine. And as for his threat, his face grew serious as he looked deep into my eyes. You belong to me now. I feel my entire body quiver at those words. That means no one will ever hurt you. He kissed my cheek again. No one else will touch you. He kissed my neck. They'll have to go through me. He tipped my head back, planting a kiss on my exposed throat. And I protect what's mine. He covered my mouth with his and kissed me deeply. I felt his tongue part my lips. I returned his kiss hungrily, pressing my body into his. I felt his hardness against my thigh and instinctively pressed my hips into his. He stopped kissing and looked down at me with a devilish grin. Why, Miss Anderson? It would appear that you aren't wearing any panties. It's this dress, I panted. I wanted his mouth on mine again. It's too tight for underwear. I love it even more. He kissed me again while he leaned into me. I relaxed onto the desk's cool, hard surface as he began to trail kisses down my body, giving me little jolts of electrified pleasure. He pushed the skirt of my dress around my waist and heard him growl with longing at the sight of the wetness between my thighs. He placed the palms of his hands on my knees, spreading my legs even further, exposing my slit for this man who'd claimed my heart and was now about to claim my body. Fuck, you're so beautiful, he groaned. His tongue trailed through the cracks of my ass, over my dripping cunt, between my lips and over my clitoris. He licked and sucked at my pussy, slowly at first, building into a frenzy until his tongue was probing my entire nether regions, leaving no stone unturned. My legs jerked involuntarily as a wave of intense pleasure washed over me. An explosion was imminent. He slipped a finger in my twitching entrance, growling as he felt the resistance of my muscles clenching around his invading digit. He withdrew his finger, and his licking became more frenzied flicking my clitoris with his tongue, pausing every few seconds to give it a gentle sucking kiss before diving in again. After the third kiss, my body couldn't handle anymore. I clamped my thighs around his ears and let out a guttural scream. He kept up the frenzy of his movements, tasting me throughout my climax. Waves of pleasure gave way to involuntary jerks and spasms as my orgasm subsided. I tried to push myself into an upright position temporarily forgetting about my aching hand and fell back onto the desk, wincing in pain. 
Grant jumped up and took my wrists and hands. Hey, hey, take it easy, Slugger. He helped me up to a sitting position and kissed me. I could taste myself on his lips. We need to get that hand looked at. He caressed my face with his hand. I grabbed it and slowly sucked my juices off of the finger he had inside me, causing his mouth to widen into a sexy grin. I've never been so turned on and uninhibited in my life. My dirty little goddess. I grabbed the back of his head with my uninjured hand and pulled his face towards mine. Our mouths crashed together as our tongues greedily explored each other. He tangled his fingers in my hair as I wrapped my legs around his waist, pulling him as close to me as possible. Suddenly, there was a knock on the door. We ignored it. The knock came again, more persistent. What? Grant yelled, his hands still entangled in my hair. I began to nibble on his chin. It's Gwen, sir. The provisions you requested are here, and so is Dr. Walker. He sighed testily, and I recognized the look of annoyance from our first meeting. This time, I didn't mind it as much as I watched him straighten himself before taking one last peek between my thighs, before smoothing my dress over my legs. Come in, he called over his shoulder to the closed door. Then to me, and me alone, he whispered, I'm not done with you yet. Chapter Six Grant Gwen rushed in with her ever-present tablet, three people carrying trays of food and drinks, and finally, Dr. Evelyn Walker. She had been my family physician since I was a child. Sometimes my mother could afford to pay her, and sometimes she couldn't. But Dr. Evie never turned us away. When I started Winter Corp, I hired her as our private family physician, as well as fully funding the free healthcare clinic in the downtown district, where she occasionally spent her time and energy. She was also on the board of the Philippa Winters Memorial Fund. I knew she would be at the gala, but she didn't know I would. Grant, she exclaimed. It's so good to see you. She planted two air kisses on my cheek. First things first, where's my patient? Hi, Dr. Evie. I placed a protective hand on the small of Athena's back before taking her left hand in mine and interlocking our fingers. The gesture didn't go unnoticed by the doctor. Here she is. I watched as Dr. Walker gently took hold of Athena's wrist. A flash of pain crossed her face as Dr. Walker poked and prodded her delicate hand. Athena looked at me and gave me a small smile. And I knew two things at that moment. She was completely and utterly mine. And Tim Graves would regret the day he ever caused my little goddess pain. That's quite a right hook, young lady. Dr. Walker said as she wrapped Athena's hand in an ace bandage. Nothing is broken. You'll have some bruising and swelling, but keep it wrapped in on ice and you should be fine. She gently patted Athena's newly bandaged hand, smiled and added, and no prize fights for at least a week. Turning to me, she said, walk me out, Grant. I slowly released my grip on Athena's hand. It felt wrong not to be touching her. She's beautiful, Dr. Walker whispered as I led her to the door. And she's a fighter. Reminds me of someone else. She winked as I held the door open for her. Thank you, Dr. Evie. I kissed her cheek. When my mother first got sick, she did her best to hide it from me. She coordinated her treatment with Dr. Evie, 
leaving me none the wiser for years. The way I discovered her secret, which was typical of my mother, was when my accountant alerted me to millions of dollars in expenditures for medical expenses. In addition to her own cancer treatments, Mom had been paying for treatments and personal expenses for 12 other women. She just couldn't help herself. The woman who raised me couldn't stand to see others in need and do nothing. When I finally confronted her, I didn't give a damn about the money. She could have spent every dime I had. What I was furious about was that she had been sick for so long and didn't tell me. She told me she didn't want to worry me, that she wanted me to keep my focus on the company. Unfortunately, by that point, she had already exhausted every treatment option, and it was clear the end was coming. Leaving the company in Gwen's hands, I took a leave of absence, where Dr. Evie and I took mom to the beach house I bought her to celebrate Winter Corp going public. For three months, we made her as comfortable as possible, until she went quietly in her sleep, holding a photo of my father and his dog tags to her chest, smiling. And thank Athena. When I gave Dr. Evie a puzzled look, she laughed. This might have been the most exciting gala we've ever had. I haven't seen you this happy in years. She patted my cheek. For an instant, I was eight years old again. Sir, Gwen said as Dr. Walker left. Speaking of excitement, we need to talk about tonight's events. Gwen, I'm perfectly confident you can handle anything that comes up tonight. We can discuss everything tomorrow. I glanced at Athena, who was wrapping her ruby red lips around a strawberry, unaware that she was being watched. I felt my pants tighten. Maybe tomorrow wouldn't be enough time to spend with her. Call for a car. I'm taking Athena. Sir, I don't think a car would be appropriate. She sighed deeply. Word has leaked about the incident. The press is everywhere. Security is doing their best, but all of the entrances are swarmed. I think you need to make a statement. Gwen was probably right. She usually is. But there was no way I was leaving Athena alone. And thinking of Tim made me too angry. Gwen seemed to be reading my mind. She sighed and began a tapping flurry on the screen of her tablet. Finally, she looked up. Okay, your helicopter will be here in 30 minutes. In the meantime, I'll be meeting with the board, legal, and PR. Evelyn can make this statement. She glanced at Athena. I'll schedule a briefing with you first thing in the morning, but I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Gwen? I put my hand on her shoulder, and she looked up at me. Thank you. You're quite welcome, sir. Her face flushed slightly as she turned to leave. She held the door open for the wait staff as they silently filed out. Tim Graves had it coming. I never cared for that man. With a faint click of the door, I was once again alone with my little goddess, who had moved onto grapes. She was slowly sliding them into her mouth, one at a time, withdrawing her lingering fingertips. My cock was hard as a rock, and I began to massage it out of my pants to try to quill the ache I felt. Thirty minutes was too long to wait. I needed to be inside of her. I think I should be doing that. Athena reached for me with her uninjured hand and pulled me close to her. She slid her hand over my chest, down my stomach with her fingers rippling over every muscle. She gently moved my hand from where it was clamped around my hardness, slowly pumping up and down through my pants. As her hands moved over my shaft, my entire groin tightened. 
and so big. She whispered to herself before unbuttoning my pants and letting them fall to the floor. My boxer briefs followed, and my cock burst forth unencumbered. She dropped to her knees and wrapped her tiny hand around my shaft, slowly moving it up and down. My little goddess planted tiny kisses on the head of my twitching cock. I was starting to weaken from the pleasure. I didn't know how much more of this I could take. Tiny beads of clear fluid began leaking from my tip, and she lapped it up greedily, causing me to lean on the desk for support. I felt the fingernails on her right hand gently stroking my balls as she continued to stroke my dick with her left. I groaned with the effort of trying to stop myself from exploding, but nothing had ever felt this good. She closed her entire mouth around the head of my penis, her tongue encircling the tip as her head slid back and forth, taking more and more of myself into her. My hands flew to her fiery locks, and I entangled my fingers in the luscious waves as I felt the orgasm building. I'm gonna come, I groaned. I looked down to where she was returning my gaze. Her look of pure lust and desire sent me over the edge. My whole body tightened as I shot ropes of hot cum into her open mouth. She swallowed each one, never loosening her grip as she milked me for every drop. I had to steady myself and my breathing as my heart slammed against my ribcage. I had never come like that from a blowjob. Maybe it was the person giving the blowjob. Chapter 7 Athena The helicopter ride from the gala was surreal. This entire night seemed like a chapter from a book about someone else's life. True, I've ridden in a helicopter before but I've never worn a designer gown, attended an elite charity gala, punched a man in the throat, been rescued by a billionaire who I was sure hated me, then been given a mind-blowing orgasm by the mouth of the said billionaire. Grant got a call from Gwen letting him know it was time for us to go. He wrapped a blanket around my shoulders and carried me into the elevator to the roof. He held me in his arms and pressed lips to mine again and again as wind from the helicopter blades whipped my hair around our faces. He helped me climb into the cabin and buckled me in before talking to the pilot. It felt so exciting and confusing. The only thing I was sure of was that I wanted this man in every sense of the word. Yes, he was incredibly sexy, but he wasn't the Grant Winters whom I'd encountered less than a week ago. Instead, he had instantly made me feel safer than I had in years. Maybe I did belong to him. I haven't been able to stop thinking about him. And by his admission, he hasn't been able to get his mind off of me either. Did that mean he also belonged to me? I had never felt this way about anyone before. I barely knew this man, but it felt so right. There was a spark that ignited in his office, and though I spent the week trying to ignore it, it burst into a flame the moment he swept me off my feet and whisked me across that ballroom. I wanted a closeness that I'd never experienced. I slipped my little hand into his large one when he sat beside me and buckled himself in as I watched the Washington ballroom shrink from my window. The entire city and all of its problems seemed to disappear as we soared above. I looked over at Grant, who was focused on the landscape unfolding underneath us. But when he noticed me watching him, he brought my hand to his lips and kissed it tenderly. Are you all right, love? 
I felt a familiar swooping feeling in my stomach with the word love. Helicopters can take some getting used to. My dad used to take me for helicopter rides. I was trying not to shout into the mouthpiece attached for my headphones, suddenly remembering how hard it was to regulate the volume of your voice when wearing one of those things. The first time I was about six, and they only had headphones for adults, so I had to hold them onto my head the whole time. Memories of my dad came rushing in, and I reflexively reached for his tags with my bandaged hand, which had admittedly started throbbing from the altitude. How's the altitude on your hand? He asked, seeming to read my mind. I wanted to lie to spare his feelings, but he raised a questioning eyebrow at me, letting me know I didn't have to. It is a little sore, but I'll be fine. I gave him a weak smile, still thinking about my dad. He squeezed my uninjured hand and kissed it again as I stared out the window, willing the tears that had formed in my eyes not to fall. Suddenly, I saw a building I recognized. Where are we going? I called into my mouthpiece. I'm taking you home, he called back. He was now caressing the back of my hand with his thumb. But we just passed my apartment building. I pointed over my shoulder. You don't live there anymore. I turned to face him, or as much as my seatbelt would allow. He was wearing that sexy grin that made me melt. His eyebrows were raised as if he were asking me a question or waiting for me to protest. I knew my answer and protesting wasn't an option I would consider. Athena, he said, and my heart fluttered. It was the first time he'd said my name. I know this is sudden, but I don't ever want to let you out of my sight again. Ever since the moment you stepped into my office, I knew there was something special about you. And then you opened your mouth and proved it. He let out a low chuckle, and I felt my face flush with heat. Please come home with me and stay for as long as you want. I'll do my best to make sure you never want to leave. A smile began to spread across my face that I couldn't suppress as I watched the building that housed my tiny apartment grow smaller and smaller as I wondered if I'd ever see it again. But Grant, you barely know me. I turned to face him and he gripped my uninjured hand even more. It was the first time I'd said his name and the gesture didn't go unnoticed. The first time we met, I ruined the interview and the second time I ruined your charity ball. Are you sure about this? I could think of worse things than having my life ruined by you, Athena Anderson. He brought my hand to his lips and smiled again. Plus, you have a mean right hook. I'd rather have you on my side. We still barely know each other. We'll get to know each other. We can take it as fast or slow as you want. We can go on dates. We can text each other. He kissed my hand. But I want you to stay with me while we do it at least until your hand is better. I glanced at the bandaged hand in my lap. I don't have any things at your house, I whispered. I can get you whatever you need, whatever you want. Okay, Grant Winters, I grinned at him. You've got yourself a new roommate, at least until my hand gets better. Grant reached up and brushed his fingertips across my cheeks before wrapping his palm around the nape of my neck and pulling me close to him for a kiss. When our lips met, it felt like an explosion of warmth as Grant's tongue tenderly caressed mine. 
He pressed the palm of his other hand into my hip and squeezed my waist. God, how did I get so lucky? He whispered to me with our lips millimeters apart. I'm not so sure which one of us is the lucky one. I laughed and kissed him again. But I have a feeling we'll both be getting lucky tonight. Grant's eyes shot up his forehead in surprise at my words, before his face spread in a sexy grin. Whatever you want, beautiful. Chapter 8 Grant Athena didn't utter another word for the rest of the helicopter ride. I knew it was a risk by moving her in with me, but letting her out of my sight was not an option. Never again. My mother raised me by herself with an idea of true love that I never believed existed until the day I met Athena. Relationships of any kind didn't interest me. I didn't feel like there was anyone I could trust, and I shut out the ones I could. I didn't realize how far I had slipped until a tiny spitfire with red hair knocked me on my ass. God, Mom would have loved Athena, and she would have hated the man I've become since she's been gone. But that all changed tonight. You live in the Strathmore? Athena called as we made our descent on the helipad. Just the top three floors. I wanted to be close to the office. Mission accomplished, she smirked. Don't be a smartass. I still owe you a punishment. Is that a promise? She shot me a sexy, mischievous grin. I jumped out, running over to her side and lifting her out of the cabin before dashing inside with her, squealing and giggling in my arms. I laid her down on the leather couch in my largest sitting room and sat beside her, just staring at her. She was bewitchingly lovely. Her long red hair was tousled from the helicopter ride. The emerald green dress billowed around her legs, the slit open fully exposing both of her long, gorgeous legs and the shadow of the womanhood that I could still taste. Instead of the combat boots from our first meeting, she wore a pair of delicate emerald green sandals with a long, thin heel. They were sexy as hell, and showcased her beautiful, delicate feet with perfect toes I wanted to kiss. I wanted to kiss every inch of her, slowly and carefully. I wanted to take my time with her, and we'd have all the time in the world. I drew a bubble bath and decided to prepare dinner while waiting for the tub to fill. I had a personal chef, but mom and I would never have survived if I didn't learn to cook. However, I also enjoyed it. As a kid, it was a way to feel close to her. She worked so hard to take care of us, and it was my only way to contribute. I slid the roasting pan in the oven and went to check on my love, only to find that she had fallen asleep. It was the most heavenly thing I'd ever seen. She had curled her legs protectively around her bandaged hand, while her left hand was tucked under her cheek. A few wavy crimson tendrils had fallen across her face, swaying back and forth as she breathed deeply. I could have watched her all night. Instead, I turned off the oven in the bath. I scooped up my sleeping beauty, carrying her to my bedroom, to our bedroom. I pulled back the covers and laid her down onto the sheets. While searching my closet for something more comfortable for her to sleep in, I made an interesting discovery. In one of my drawers, I found a brand new hairbrush, toothbrush, and a gift box containing a long emerald green nightgown with a matching robe. 
My first inclination was that Gwen was being efficient as usual. McCalling had to have these things placed here in anticipation of our arrival. However, something about the gown and robe struck me as familiar. The color, the feel, and specific design elements. This lingerie was designed by the same person who created Athena's dress. If that was true, then that meant Gwen had been playing matchmaker. She invited Athena to the gala and had a gown custom made. Athena couldn't have known. She seemed just as surprised to see me as I was to see her. I would have to remember to have a talk with my executive secretary about a promotion and raise. I undressed Athena, slid the gown over her head and her body. She barely stirred as I unwrapped and rewrapped her hand in a new bandage. Slipping out of my tuxedo and into a pair of pajama pants, I climbed into bed behind her, pressing my bare chest into her back, my face buried in a mass of deliciously fragrant scarlet waves. My hand wrapped around her waist, and I pulled her as close to me as I could, before pulling the covers over us and closing my eyes. Five days ago, I was trying to conquer the world. And now my world was sleeping in my arms. Chapter 9 Athena My eyes fluttered open and I woke up in a room I didn't recognize. The giant bed I was in was the size of my entire bedroom. And the bedroom was the size of my entire apartment. Of course, there was the matter of the gorgeous man sleeping beside me. This felt like a dream. One moment, I had been laying on a couch watching Grant dress Cornish gay men's. Then the next moment, I woke up wearing a nightgown that definitely wasn't mine. Though it did feel good to be out of that dress and shoes. My handsome rescuer was curled up next to me in a bed that felt like a cloud. He looked so peaceful as he slept. The Grant Winters I've seen always seemed to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. At rest, he resembled a slumbering teenager. His smooth face with its chiseled features was beginning to sprout a dark shadow of stubble. He had a mop of dirty blonde hair, which, while perfectly styled at the gala, had now become adorably rumpled with sleep. One giant muscular arm was still draped around my waist as I faced him. I flashed back to when only a few days ago that same arm had me trapped against the door of his office, just three floors below. I felt a familiar longing as I let my eyes travel over his broad shoulders and sculpted chest when something caught my eye. It was a tattoo of military ID tags, complete with a chain and unmistakable rounded rectangles, one tucked behind the other. I instinctively reached for my chest and was comforted by the feeling of cool steel. He hadn't removed them when he undressed me. Without realizing what I was doing, I reached out and slowly began to trace the ball chain portion of the tattoo with my fingertips. When I reached the tags, I was startled by a familiar voice. Hey, sleeping beauty, he said sleepily. His blue-gray eyes watched me. He took my hand away from his chest and kissed the palm. He began to trail kisses at my arm as he pulled me closer to him until finally our lips met. I felt every inch of my flesh tingle with desire as we kissed. He rolled onto his back, pulling me on top of him, never breaking contact. His hands moved to my waist, and I could feel the fabric of the gown sliding up my legs, my waist, my back, until it was finally over my head as he broke our kiss to toss the gown aside. You're so fucking beautiful. 
Jacob's eyes were roving over my naked body, devouring every inch as I hovered over him. I love you, Athena. You know that, don't you? I could feel his shaft parting my lips through his pajama pants. I love you too. I couldn't believe what I was saying, but it was true. It seems crazy, but I do. He pulled me toward him and kissed me again. I need to be inside you, he growled in my ear. Right now. I needed him to be inside me. It seemed I had been waiting my entire life for this moment and it couldn't come fast enough. We began kissing again as he fumbled and kicked out of his pants. He reached into the nightstand drawer and retrieved a condom. I watched as he tore open the plastic wrapper and rolled it onto his shaft, stroking it a few times while his eyes roved over my body. Are you ready, baby? His eyes were intense. I nodded and bit my lip in anticipation. So sexy, he groaned. He steadied my waist with one hand as he guided himself into my waiting core with his other hand. I could feel myself being stretched as Grant slowly impaled me. The pain was intense, but it also felt so good. I felt the waves of pleasure building as he moved closer and closer into my maidenhead. I leaned forward, digging my nails into his pets as I felt the explosion coming. I screamed in ecstasy as I felt my body jerk and spasm. Grant steadied my hips with his hands and thrust his hips upward, claiming my body. I began to rock back and forth on my knees, still digging my hands into his chest, taking more and more of him into me. Both the pain and my orgasm subsided, and I was relishing the sensation of Grant Winter's enormous cock sliding in and out of me. I wanted all of it. I couldn't believe how amazing this felt. Before long, I could feel our hips crashing together as my body finally and completely enveloped his shaft. Grant slipped his arm around my waist and hugged my body close to his, kissing me furiously. He pumped himself in and out of me with an increasing frenzy, and I felt another explosion coming. His fingernails dug into my hips as he impaled me on his cock and held me there, our bodies tense in simultaneous climax. Our bodies rocked and shuddered together until finally, I felt my upper body relax onto Grant's chest. He planted a kiss on the top of my head. We laid together like that for several minutes, Grant still inside me with his arms wrapped around my waist and back. I slowly slid myself off of him and rolled onto my back. He left the bed, coming back with a warm, damp washcloth that he used to carefully clean between my legs. Once he was done, he crawled back into bed beside me and covered us with the duvet. He turned onto his side and propped up his head on his elbow to face me. I absently began to retrace the tattoo. My dad was in the army, he said, seeming to sense my question. These are his. Then he added with a sarcastic smirk. He's also dead. I felt my face flush with embarrassment. I'm, I'm sorry. I get defensive when it comes to my dad, and that day, I was a condescending ass. He was still smiling. Well, I stammered suddenly remembering how angry I was that last time I was in this building. Yes, you were. Listen, you were right. He grabbed my hand and kissed it. I got caught up. It's hard to stay grounded, and there was only one person who ever talked to me the way you did, and he seemed to struggle to find the words. 
I'll accept your apology if you accept mine. And promise to always tell me if I'm ever being a condescending ass. I finished with a smile. <laughs> yeah. He kissed me again and again. Then he slid his hands between my legs and slipped two fingers inside. Again? I asked. He answered with a sexy dimpled smirk and a raised eyebrow. I've never been this exhausted in my life. But I could make love to this man forever. Chapter 10 Athena He rolled on top of me, supporting the weight of his upper body on his elbows. He slowly began to slide in and out of me, gradually picking up speed. I moaned rapturously as he ravaged my body. He rolled us onto our sides and we continued to make love, facing each other in a tangle of undulating arms and legs. We continued to writhe until I was on top again, bouncing up and down with Grant's strong hands cupping my breasts. It was like Grant had opened a floodgate. Each orgasm rolled one after the other, electrifying my body. He pushed me onto my back again, and after a few strokes, he joined me collapsing onto his back next to me, his chest rising and falling as we both struggled to catch our breaths. My little goddess, he whispered, and he stroked my face. He lightly stroked one of my breasts with his fingertips, and his hand moved to the ball chain. If I touch these, are you gonna hit me? He was smirking with a look of mock concern. Maybe, I replied. I guess you'll have to find out for yourself. He picked up one of the tags and inspected it. I'd never felt this safe with anyone since dad. But this man, I felt comfortable telling him anything. He was the most amazing person, I began. He was a great soldier, a great dad, and the best husband. When my mother was first diagnosed with cancer, he took a leave of absence from the army to take care of her, never leaving her side. She fought for five years. The cancer would go away and then come back. Our insurance wouldn't cover everything. And eventually, my dad ended up taking early retirement because we couldn't afford a nurse. My mom made a friend in one of her support groups who told her about a special grant for cancer patients and military families that paid for all of her treatments, our debt. And in the end, there was even enough left over for a small college fund for me. It was a miracle. It made the last year of her life one of the most memorable years of my life. We took my mom to Paris. She and my dad renewed their vows in Hawaii. He loved her so much. Did you ever meet her? Grant asked. He seemed to be rooted in thought. Who? The woman from the support group who told your mother about the grant that paid for all your family's expenses. No, dad and I never met her but she sent an amazing floral arrangement to the funeral. I'll never forget it. It was a hundred red roses. I smiled at the memory. What was her name? Grant asked me, and he sat up to look at me. I don't know. She sent a beautiful card, but never signed it. Hmm. He leaned back on the bed and began stroking my hair. He still seemed to be deep in thought. After she was gone, he did his best. He was a great dad. Raising a teenage girl without a mother couldn't have been easy. I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. But he just wasn't the same without her. It was like half of him was missing. 
During my first semester of school, I got the call that he had collapsed while mowing the lawn. He waited until I made it to the hospital to say goodbye, and then his heart just gave out. I was 17. He held out for four years. I guess he was waiting for me to be all grown up. Grant was still stroking my hair, but his thoughts still seemed to be elsewhere. Grant? He looked at me, smiled, and sat up straight. I need to show you something, love. He led me to a large walk-in closet. Put this on. He held out an emerald green robe that matched the nightgown that was now piled into a heap on the bedroom floor. He shrugged into a robe of his own and pulled me deeper into the massive closet. Against the far wall was a bureau. Grant pressed his thumbprint into a shiny black square in the front of the top drawer, and I heard a lock withdraw. I couldn't imagine what kind of priceless treasures Grant would keep in a safe like this. But to my surprise, inside was a drawer lined with velvet and contained only two items. ID tags like the ones I wore every day and a beautiful gold ring set with a small red ruby. He reached for the ring and seemed to stare at it for a few moments before he held it out to show me. Grant, I don't understand. This couldn't be what I thought it was, but I hoped it was right. My mom and dad met by chance in a bar. The next morning, they drove to Vegas. Of course, my dad didn't have a ring, so they ended up in a pawn shop. Mom bypassed all of the giant glittery diamond rings and chose this one. She said it was pretty, and her favorite color was always red. In the same way she knew my dad was the one, she chose this ring, and she never wore anything else. I was aware that I'd stopped breathing. I was too afraid to speak not wanting to ruin this moment. Before she died, she gave it to me, telling me that when she met my father, everything in her life suddenly made sense. She said one day I would meet someone who made me feel the same way. He sank to one knee and looked up at me. I'm supposed to give this ring to you, Athena. Grant Winters. I was shaking as the words got stuck in my throat. Are you asking me to? Yeah, I am. There was no hint of doubt in his face. Please, say yes, my love. Say yes. I nodded tearfully, holding out my left hand. It fit perfectly. I dropped to my knees and grabbed his face with both hands and kissed him. We sat on the floor of the closet. My back was pressed into his chest. His arms wrapped around my waist. I held up my hand and we both gazed at the ring. The light of the morning began to fill the bedroom. And when it hit the closet, the ruby on my hand glittered more brilliantly. I couldn't believe this man was mine, and I was his. The sun's coming up, I said to my fiancé. What should we do now? Vegas? The sexy smirk returned. Vegas, I grinned. But first, he leaped to his feet, and I squealed as he slung me over his shoulder marching us towards the bed. The end. This has been Conquering the Goddess by Lucy Eden. Read for you by Allie Piper. Welcome back. Welcome back, lady listeners. Thank you so much to Lucy Eden for bringing us Conquering the Goddess. I am sure that I loved it because 
I'm going to go listen to her right now. <laughs> so we're really excited to have her with us. Thank you again. You're welcome back anytime. And then you can be a three-peat offender on here. So um, up next week, we have Honey Phillips with You've Got Alien Trouble. I'm excited. It. It's something I different. I know. I love Honey Phillips, too. She's so sweet. And, like, what a great name for an author, right? It is. It's honey is my Achilles tendon. If I I'm, if I can, I'll put it in a book every fucking time. I gotta slide it in there. Sometimes I gotta sneak it in when you least expect it. <laughs> All right. What did I think you used it. to say? You said of a word that used to like shock me every time. I can't. I don't know. Baby batter. Or what? Was it a fat pussy? Oh, I love calling it fat. I think that's so sexy. I don't know why. Nothing. Nothing else. When you describe it as fat. It, dick i guess <laughs> but when a hero says it like calls it fat like i don't know why i think that's hot it's like the complete opposite of what you think it should yeah be. <laughs> i like when yeah because it does make it sound more manly like something mm-hmm. a man would say because they're yeah. more direct and i like it because they're like it's like they're talking about you and there's that little bit of objectification mm-hmm. and to me a little bit of that goes a long way <laughs> all right that's everything that's it the end tell them what to do fuck your day up make today your bitch don't be a dick bye guys bye read me romance read read me romance